0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. You
1: just want to open it to Acts 16 because we're just going to tear through. And so um, essentially what happens after Lydia and everything that happens at Thyatira is that Paul and Silas are preaching and as they're going around there's this slave girl that follows them and she is yelling out these men are servants of the Most High God, she's declaring this out. Now what is a little bit different to our Western sensitivities is that this woman was actually, this girl was demon possessed. Now, um, I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe you don't give much thought to the enemy or evil or anything like that. And you're like, oh, I thought that that was just in movies where their heads turn 360s and stuff like that. No, a very real um, phenomena. And, you know, if you go to some countries, you'll see it actually common. Uh, Worship of the devil is common. And you see lots of people who are actually demon possessed. So while that freaks us out a little, um, it doesn't freak a lot of other people out. And so this woman, this girl, she's a slave girl and she's walking around and eventually Paul gets annoyed and he turns around and says hush now in the name of Jesus and you demon come out of her now it's he just takes immediate authority in the name of Jesus because that's what anyone who believes in Jesus can do just instantly declare his name take authority in a situation so if you, the thought of all this demon stuff does freak you out just know that if you believe in Jesus you can invoke the name of Jesus and you are the most powerful person in that room no matter what is going on spiritually in the atmosphere and so he says get out I command you this very moment and it came out that very moment but what happened was and that in the midst of that warfare, there were people that owned that girl. It says that she was a slave girl and they exploited her for her gift and, um, because she would tell people's fortunes. And so that now the demon's gone. She no longer has that power that was given to her by the enemy. And, and now they're out of pocket. So they, of course, get very cranky. They stir up a crowd and they end up putting Paul and Silas in prison. Uh, it would appear that in this moment, the devil has won. Um, that He's silenced the preachers of the Gospel. So what's their response to that in that moment? They just start to worship. And uh, I want to thank the worship team. I'm so grateful to the worship team that they come in early and create an atmosphere to bring us into the presence of God. Uh, we, We never want to forget the amazing thing that happens when we worship God. Um, in the Old Testament, they would send the singers out first into battle. And it wasn't like sending the Irish out first into battle because they were good cannon fodder. Um, oh, here's the singers. This one's a bit tone deaf. Uh, as you go, thank you, enemy, take them out. Yes. No, it wasn't like that. It was like, we are declaring the victory up front. And so here they're worshipping. They're, they're chained. They're literally chained. Their feet are in stocks. Um, this is uh, 2020. In a South American country, these people have broken quarantine. And so they put them in stocks. In the, in the town square. And stocks are intended to, um, if they're in public, to humiliate you. Um, but there they were actually in a dungeon and their feet were in stocks so they couldn't move, but they still had their voices so they started to praise God. And what happened was that the stocks fell off their feet. They opened, they were padlocked, but the chains fell off because that is what worship does. Worship in the natural here very much was, um, you know, just singing singing. Uh, but and in the and it it broke the chains off their feet but that's also was it what it does in the spiritual realm in the supernatural realm if you're going through something when you worship it shakes up the atmosphere it says that there was an earthquake well yes it shakes the atmosphere physically but when you worship it shakes the atmosphere spiritually as well it breaks chains worship breaks chains worship sets free so what happened was that when their chains fell off the jailer was like oh my goodness and he decided that he was going to commit suicide because he knew he was a dead man anyway. If you, on your watch, if prisoners were released or, or broke free, then you um, were a dead man anyway. So he's like, I'll just do it now. And uh, they said, don't do it, don't do it. Don't worry, you're going to be fine. And not only was he fine, he and his whole household were saved. He, 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 all of his family put their trust in Jesus and, um, and they were sa- they were saved. It's incredible. So what was a really really bad thing, and the devil thought he'd won, Uh, He, God worked all things together for good, for those who love Jesus in accord, according to his purpose. Not only that, he got double for the trouble. Not only were Paul and Silas saved and able to preach the gospel again, but the jailer and his whole household were saved and baptised. So take that, um, enemy. (laughs) Okay, so after that, um, Paul declared that they were Roman citizens. uh, And so the... um, the authorities came in and apologised and released them because that was very dangerous. If you were a Roman citizen, you hadn't been tried, but you'd been imprisoned, again, you could be put to death. So out they went. So then Acts, after Acts 16, here we go. We've got them um, post-Act 16. What happens was that they went to Thessalonica. So that is here. They're up here because Linnea brought us here last week and up to here with um, Lydia. So they're at Thessalonica And we're not going to go there because in our uh, series on 1 Thessalonians, when we worked through that book, we covered what happened there a lot. And so after three weeks, they went to Berea and Berean, the Berean Christian, the Berean believers, Jews, they studied the Scriptures. So everything that Paul and Silas said, they went back and studied the Scriptures to make sure it lined up. And I want to encourage you, church, don't take my word for it. I don't take whoever's standing up here's word for it. Um, that's that's the old model where you just go to the holy place and hear from the holy person and from their holy book. No, we're now in the age where the Holy Spirit lives inside of all of us. And so you have the ability to go and read scripture for yourself and get revelation yourself. And, uh, and so, you know, check it out with good counsel, but don't just take the preacher's word for it. Go and study it for yourself and make sure that it actually is the truth. That's what these guys did in Berea, the Berean believers. And they became, lots of them became Christians. And then Paul heads to, they head again and Paul gets to Athens and he's there by himself for a little while. And he's wandering around Athens and he's looking here and there and he sees that there is idol worship everywhere. Uh, That is a place where they are worshipping um, all different gods. Now, uh, just so you know, there's, well, what we as Christians believe, there's only one God and what Jews believed as well. So worship of any other God is not worship of the one true God, it's worship of not God. <laughs> and there's not just not God, okay? It's like there's good and there's evil. So if you're worshipping not God, you're actually worshipping evil. And I just want to put that out there in this day of spiritual enlightenment where you know, oh good, I'm you know, I'm just vibing with this yogi or whatever. If you get to the place like I love yoga, I stretch in, in yoga, it's the most I, I was able actually pretty much became a human contortionist. I could touch my toes. Um it's gone again now, but at that time. Um so I love all that. But when you you just have to be careful when it heads into the spiritual. And I don't want us to be, you know, looking for demons under every rock. Oh no, the speaker's buzzing. Is that a demon, come out. Um, they, they, we're not going to go there, we're not going to be that church. But I want to encourage you that there's probably way more going on than what we realize, and so we want to be aware of what's going on. We have our spiritual eyes open, and uh, and so when it's something seems harmless. Make sure that you continue to ask the Holy Spirit um, to guard you and to guide you. So Paul's walking around, there's worship everywhere. So so I'm going to call it what it is. There's devil worship everywhere. There's worship of foreign gods, which is worship of false gods, which is worship of demons. It's happening everywhere in Athens. Um, But he comes across this. So rather than get up there and go, you're all a pack of weirdos, you satanic worshippers. What he does is he finds this altar to an unknown God. And he uses what they're already familiar with to preach the Gospel to them. Now he breaks with this pattern here. Everywhere else he's gone to the synagogue and he's found where God is already at work. He's found where there's a history of belief in the one true God. He started there and then worked his way out to unbelievers. Here he's just gone for it. He's gotten upset. He's gotten mad at all this worship and he's gone straight to the, the hill and he started preaching. Now, in Athens, they just loved preaching. They loved teaching. Any new teaching, oh, come and tell us about that. We love it. We love knowledge. And so they were really, um, you know, into knowledge and philosophy and stuff like that. So like, oh, Paul, you've got this new great teaching. Come and tell it to us. But they weren't actually spiritually interested in what he had to say. And they end up mocking him. And and there's not near the fruit that he has in other places. And, um, And that's neither right nor wrong. Good on him for having a crack. Um, like as if I'm going to say anything to Paul about the way he <laughs> spread the gospel. Paul, he shouldn't have done that. No, absolutely not. So, but he, what did happen is that he didn't see the fruit where he went to other places. And so for that, um, if you get mad and you need to preach the gospel, go for it. Um, but I want to encourage us as a church, we're, we're really going to be talking a lot this year about trying to identify where God's already at work. Try to to identify where God's already at work. And so anyway, he gets mocked. Some people say, we'll hear you again. He ends up leaving and he heads to Corinth. Now we know that the Corinthian church went well because we have the letter to the Corinthians, um, volume one and volume two, first and second letter. Uh, And so he goes to Corinth and he stays there for 18 months. Now, then he heads back. Um, If you want to go to the next slide and he goes Ephesus, Caesarea, Jerusalem, Antioch, Galatia, Phrygia and meanwhile, oh I forgot to tell you about what happened in Corinth, one of the things that happened was that he met Aquila and Priscilla. Now um, they're just awesome people so I just wanted to let you know that Um, but Aquila and Priscilla they feature in so many letters that Paul then writes, they become partners in the gospel work that Paul is doing and if it matters to you, um, if you wonder, Aquila, it was always a prominent person that was named first, the most prominent, so it was always Barnabas, and Paul, uh, who, were, who were named. And then as Paul um, began to be the greater preacher of the Gospel, not greater as in better, but he did more, then it switched to Paul and Barnabas. And here with Aquila and Priscilla, it starts Aquila and Priscilla which is a natural pattern for the male to go first. But then by the end, it's actually Priscilla and Aquila, which would suggest, many scholars say, suggest that she became the more prominent person in the ministry couple. And many scholars say that Priscilla is actually the writer of Hebrews. And that's not progressive theology. That's like centuries old that people say that. That's written by scholars who are like, we think that Priscilla wrote the book of Hebrews before feminism was a thing. So that's pretty cool. Okay, so here they go. They're heading back. And meanwhile, back at Corinth, because, um, oh, sorry, back at Ephesus, because Paul left Priscilla and Aquila there, they meet this young guy called Apollos. Apollos is super good looking. Um, just yell out someone who's really good looking in the room. A <laughs> <laughs> he was much like Stinger, as Chris attests to. Um, there's, you know, various opinion on that, but <laughs> um, and so Apollos was young, good-looking, very eloquent. Um, Paul is reported to be. Um, old, bent over and have a bung eye. Um, That's kind of what the scholars suggest about Paul um, from um, history. And so later on in in one of the books, um, yell it out if you know it, I can't remember off the top of my head, but Paul writes and says, you know, some of you are saying I'm of Apollos and some are saying I'm of Paul. So whenever there's kind of people, leaders, people try and attach themselves to a leader. Now, if you're Paul and you're writing, Some of you are saying, I'm of Apollos and I love Apollos and I love his teaching. And some of you are saying, I love Paul and I love his teaching. Who do you think is more right out of you and someone else? You, because otherwise you'd go follow someone else or you'd change to be like someone else. Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't say, and by the way, I'm more right. He says, hey, that's got to stop. It's not about that leader. It's not about that leader. It's about Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you with that because I've seen so many times where people have followed a leader and they're all in until that leader backs off and then they're not all in anymore. And that's because they were attached to the leader. They weren't attached to Jesus. And I want to encourage us as a church, never be attached to the leader. Be attached to Jesus because we serve Him with everything. You guys are 8.30, you know this. Okay, so Apollos is preaching but he's not got it all together. And it says that Priscilla and Aquila explain the Gospel to him more fully so that he might preach it more well-roundedly. And I, even what I said before about, you know, you've got the ability to go and search the Word of God for yourself. Always stay submitted to good teaching and leadership. Always stay submitted to good counsel because Apollo, he's good-looking, he's eloquent, all of that. He's been a Jew forever, but he still takes on what Aquila and Priscilla tell him and correct him in. Um, Okay, so he ends up spending a lot of time there. Meanwhile, Paul, he, oh, can we go back one, cam dog, please? Thank you. So, meanwhile, Paul heads back around here. He's in Antioch. He goes to Galatia. He goes to Thurgia, which is over here. Cappadocia is over here. So, he's spending a lot of time around here. And, uh, and then he heads to Eph- Ephesus. And, and this is a time, you can put that other one back up. Thanks, mate. Um, this is a time of unusual miracles. It says that he prayed for handkerchiefs and people would take them home and put them on sick people and they'd be healed. And, uh, and, you know, um, you might say, whoa, that was very specific for that time. Um, there are reports of that happening all over the world today. This is not, our God is not limited um, by time and space. He's like, He's the same God that He's always been. And so, he, with, yeah, that's happening all over the world. Um, incredible, unusual miracles that are taking place and lots of deliverance from demonic possession. So um, what happens is that some of the Jews see this and they're like, that is pretty cool. We want to do that as well. Now, there were Jewish exorcists. Um, does anyone, everyone know what an exorcist is? They're like, you know, get demons out of people. Um, you might have seen that 1970s movie. I've never seen it. I saw an ad, it was the freakiest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm like not the person to watch horror movies, that's for sure. But um, they, so like they would go and get demons out of people. So they were Jews. They believed in God and they'd do their things. They'd, you know, throw their oil or their water or whatever they'd do and they'd see deliverance happen. Um, It was so different for the Christians, for the early Christians Because they'd get saved and then they realised that they had the power of Jesus Christ And they'd go and cast out demons as well and they wouldn't need to do all the rituals and everything like that. They'd just declare the name of Jesus Christ. So these Jewish itinerant exorcists, imagine that that is your occupation uh, at the airport. Um, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a, an itinerant exorcist. Um, and so they, they go and they're like, well, we want to um, see people delivered as well. We've seen all these Christians doing it. So they go and they say to this demon, seven sons of Sceva. There was this priest called Sceva, a Jewish priest. He had seven sons. They went into a house and they said, in the power of the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, so they weren't actually believers in Jesus themselves, come out. You see, you have to have the faith and belief in Jesus. You can't just use his name for your own purpose. It says that that demon overcame them all, all seven of these men. And they were they're busted. Like they're like, Ugh, where, you know, they were overcome. Now, again, looks like the devil's won. But what happened is that the fear of God went so deep into people that um, people just started putting their trust in Jesus all over the place. They were like, what the heck, he- heck happened there? I don't know what's going on. Oh my goodness, we've got to put our trust in God. And, and broad regions um, became believers. And what actually happened was that they brought all their sorcery books, their satanic books, their Harry Potter, their Dungeons and Dragons, put it in the town square and lit it on fire. Not Harry Potter, not Dungeons and Dragons. That's I'm um, Okay. That, yeah, that was a joke. But their um, all their bad books they they and, and it says what does it say here like some astronomical amount of money that it was worth so not only is are people being delivered saved, set free, but all the strongholds that the enemy had are being burnt they're being done away with and what they might have you know in a pinch gone back to it's gone now they don't have it to go back to um, So there's this incredible uh, overcoming, but that's not where it stops. Oh my goodness, I don't know um, when I started, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop in just a few minutes. Let me just tear through this. Here's a temple. Worship of Diana, this was everywhere in um, the ancient Near East. They loved Diana. And, and so again, uh, people are turning to Jesus, they're stopping worship. And so all the people that made idols, they get really upset. All the people who made money off the worship of Diana, they get upset. They rip in and they um, start to... Um, You know, stir up the crowd again Because they don't want uh, Jesus to be worshipped They want Diana to be worshipped So that they can continue to get wealth They unionise essentially And um, form a body to get rid of them Um, But 70 years later Worship of Diana dies out This is like a, this is a massive stronghold. We've gone from one girl who is demon-possessed, then we've gone to like this region where obviously that, you know, they got rid of all their books and everything else. And now we're going to the strategic level warfare that's happening here. And, and, and 70 years later, you barely hear of Diana worship. 300 AD, Christianity's made the national um, religion. And Rome has enabled all the roads to spread Christianity far and wide. So... I just, God's playing a long game. (laughs) If it looks like the devil's winning on any front, God's playing a long game and he will have the victory. We sang it before, let's believe it, he had the victory. Okay, next slide. Um, We're ripping through Acts 20 and 21 and 22-ish so that Phoebe can finish 22 to 28 next week. Luke's back. That's exciting because they're back at uh, Philippi. Luke rejoins them. Um, Some scholars say that Luke and Lydia got married, Linnea. That's interesting, yeah. For all the romantics in the room, that's nice. Okay, we're going to do a good news, bad news for um, Acts chapter 20. So when I say something, then you say that's good. And then I say something else and you say that's bad. Okay, so Acts 20 verse 7. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them. So that's good. He prolonged his speech until midnight. <laughs> there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered and a younger man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep. That's good. As Paul talked still longer and being overcome by sleep, he fell down the third story and was taken up dead. <laughs> it was bad. And Paul went down and bent over him and taking him up in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and broken bread and eaten, um, he was alive. That's good, right? Okay, so I read a preaching book. It was called Saving Eutychus. It was about how to not preach boring. Um, And so essentially, like if you love one hour preaching, one hour services, this passage is what it's based off. People die when church goes too long, people. Um, So let's just remember that. Um, Okay, uh, then um, Paul has at this time the revelation that actually he's gonna go all the way to Jerusalem and to Rome and he's gonna die. He has that revelation. And so what happens then, is that there's people speaking prophetic words saying, don't go Paul, but Paul has a resolve. And so that also is an encouragement. Don't just like everyone that comes up to you and says, oh, I believe that God said blah, blah, blah. Say thank you, but don't then, that's law for you. Put that on the shelf, pray into it, wait for confirmation and wait till God resonates it within you. Oh, you're gonna go around the world preaching. Thank you, Lord, can you? Let that happen if it's going to happen. I'm not going to wait for it. I'm going to get about life. Oh, um, the Lord told me that um, you shouldn't move to Tamworth from Narrabri, Brad. (laughs) You rebuke that in the name of the Lord. (laughs) Um, uh, We we don't want to just take willy-nilly everything, put it on the shelf, pray into it. Um, Because another prophecy comes that says, yep, you'll go, but you're going to die. Cool. Okay, so then there's trouble with the Jews, as usual. Um, I I don't have a timer, but I'm out of time, I believe. So um, let's just take a moment, maybe stretch, and then Andrew's going to come and bring the word. Um, We won't do a discussion because I think I've gone over. So let's just stand up. Uh, Headbutt, high five, or handshake the person next to you. And um, then we'll get back into it.
0: All right, what I'm going to do is we'll, we'll go into Acts 17, but we'll talk about the rest of Acts as well. So we'll stick with Acts 17. Um, for those that have Bible and flicking through, you can stay there right about now or flick back. Um, I was in a cab this week and chatting to the cabbie, as I like to do. I'm one of those annoying customers that likes to get life stories of cab drivers and i um, really interested to hear his story. And he, was, he asked me what I did. I told him um, what I do for a living and that killed the conversation naturally. And, <laughs> and I started asking about him. He was Indian descent. I've, I have a love of India. I've been there a few times and uh, wanted to ask him about his background. He was telling me that he was a, a Kashmiri. Muslim. So he's from Kashmir, which is like top west uh, of India. And if you don't know what's going on in Kashmir for the last like 60 years, since the 40s, The uh, Pakistani Muslims are fighting the Indian Hindus because of the Christian colonial English people who took over that area. And so I was asking him about his religious experience and he was saying, well, it's fine that you believe what you believe. I'm a Muslim, but I really just want to hope that people that profess to religion actually are just making the world a bit more of a peaceful place and i thought isn't that an interesting idea so he was just wrestling with his own islamicness i don't know if that's a word it's a word now and he was just saying that peace is just all he wants it doesn't matter about the message of jesus or the message of allah or the message of all the thousands of hindu gods we just want peace and i was just thinking that's an amazing Synopsis of how our society, our religious examples, our religious attitudes are set these days, is that people just, they don't want to hear about the ins and outs of every religion, the pros and cons, the consequences of this, the consequences of not taking on that religion. But they just want to know that it's just going to make the world a nice, happy little place. And that's not the case. And so we read in Acts 17 that Paul um, has a a lot of interactions with a lot of different people groups. And And he's in Athens, which is a melting pot of thinking, and he just has to deal with those kind of diluted attitudes. And I don't know about you, but I find that in Australia, we see that there's a general ho-humness towards religion right now. Would everyone agree that there's a bit of a sway away from religion? The census might indicate that. And that's fine as it is. We're just talking about numbers on a census. But they're just people just ticking a box saying that they don't believe in any religion. That may not mean that they're open or closed to it. It may just mean that they're not brought into it, into a religion, into a religious way of thinking, into a a teaching of a God. And I don't know if you guys do this, but if I'm sitting down and watching Netflix and I turn it on and I'm just scrolling through and it's about five minutes of scrolling through all the things that I've saved on my list and then... I go to Amazon Prime and do the same thing as well. Does anyone do that? Does anyone do that? I feel like in Australia right now, we do that with religious teachings. We're just waiting for something to pop right up, to really grab our attention and just go, you know what? This is it. This is what I want to absorb. This is what I want to uh, invest in over the next little while. But Anyway, let's look at Acts uh, Acts 17, and I'm going to pull a few things out uh, right now. So Acts 17 in verse 2, Paul goes to the synagogue. He talks to Jews there and Jews believe. And in verse 4, it says, Some of the Jews were persuaded, joined Paul and Silas, as did a number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. Um, and in 17.5 in it says, but the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some, I love this term, bad characters, <laughs> bad characters, I love that, um, <laughs> from the marketplace, so in the open area, so we're going to Jews who believe, Jews who don't believe, um, prominent women uh, and bad characters as well and they moved through into Berea and in verse 17, uh, sorry, chapter 17: 11, it says, now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, that's interesting because because we would have uh, remembered from our study of the Thessalonians that they were actually really good Christians. And then in verse 12, we hear about Jews who believed and more prominent Greek women and many Greek men. No prominent Greek men. I don't know if they were prominent men in Greek Greece at that time. But anyway, the scriptures um, highlighting that. And then in verse 17, we learn about Jews and God-fearing Greeks. We learn about um, people in the marketplace day by day that just happens to be there. Oh, next slide, Cam. And, uh, and then in the Areopagus, Areopagus we have Epicurean, and stoic philosophers. Smart dudes know what they're talking about. You wouldn't invite them to a party at your place because they're boring. They just want to talk about religious ideas and whatever else. Um, probably dressed in tweed, those kind of guys, twiddle their mustaches, whatever else. Great, smart, useless. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Any Epicureans or Stoics in here this morning? No, good, fine, great. <laughs> but the different people in these chapters have something in common. And it doesn't matter what demographic group they come from. It's the sense that there's, there's someone in any kind of demographic that actually wants to hear about God. So it doesn't matter what ethnicity what religious background um, what socioeconomic um, background you come from social origin that 's a new term that just means whether you 're poor or you're rich or whether you cut or your postcode that's a new one that the Australian government has thrown out um, in the last census it doesn't matter where you come from who, which group you're from. But there is someone in every one of those groups that actually wants to hear about the Word of God. And that's what we learn from here. And so we see that all throughout Acts, Paul, Silas, Barnabas, Timothy, Coe, they're all trying to find these people in different areas, in different religious groups that actually want to hear and so we go about our work week and our lives in general, and that's the kind of lesson that we can take out of Acts uh, as we move forward into our life, is that anyone from any walk of life could actually want to hear the Word of God. But do we actually think that way when we're talking to people? Ephesians 4, 4-7 to says, "...there is but one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called." one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is, sorry, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. And so it's such a revolutionary message that is still revolutionary today. In my studies in Bible college, I did a subject called Global Christianity and it was all about how the Great Commission and Acts eight you know, you'll be in J- Jerusalem and then you'll go into Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth, was all about how that is actually being fulfilled in our modern times. And I want to run some stats by you right now, because we often think about our local context in Australia, but we don't uh, we don't expand our thinking into thinking about the, the global church and how Christianity is moving today. And so in 2010, across North America. America, Europe and Oceania there were 902 million Christians and that is likely to decline by 1 million in the next 40 in the space of 40 years up to 2050. So that's not all doom and gloom that's 1 million difference according to some research by the Pew Forum study that was done about eight years ago and so in in Africa, Asia and Latin America in 2010 there were 1.39 billion Christians. And uh, the Pew Research uh, Foundation say that that is likely to rise to 2.287 billion by 2050, almost double. And so, yeah, we got a yield back there. And so we, we see this data, and that's forecast, but it's 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 really well analyzed. And it's conservative as well. It's conservative. So the the 901 million is put up. And the 2.287 is put down, according to the notes to that research. So that could even be even greater. And so when we hear about the doom and gloom or the, the fall of Christianity and the fall of this church and the fall of this denomination, when we take it into a global context, a context that was expanded because of Paul and Silas and Barnabas in the Acts Church in the early years, that they started this juggernaut off that is still actually expanding exponentially to this day, to the glory of God And at the time of my studies, Phoebe and I were living in Melbourne and we went to a church on the outskirts of Melbourne. It was about 70 years old and it started because uh, after the post-World War II, there were a lot of European migrants who came to Australia and they brought their own version of Christianity. And this church is an ACC church, same denomination as us here at the chapel and it's still growing really strong. Um, Up to a thousand people every Sunday planting here, there and everywhere in Melbourne. It's really going well. But if you read about Christianity in Melbourne, you hear about what's going on in Fitzroy and Brunswick and this far left. Left movement of veganism and free spirituality and gender fluidity and house organic churches that don't actually connect in with Jesus. It's just a free expression of religion. And so there's this sway, there's there's this public narrative that there's this sway away from Christianity and that extends all through Australia right now. But what our church in Melbourne did was they realised that, hang on, we've got global movement around Australia and we're seeing... Hundreds of Chinese students coming out of communist controlled China, coming to Australia, he- having heard an adulterated version of the gospel of Jesus. They come to university with all this freedom and then they get to hear the real gospel from people in that church. And the same with people breaking out of Iran and the same uh, people breaking out of India a Hindu held India and these kids, these 18 year old, 19 year old kids are coming to know the Lord. And so they, this church just went away from the thinking that was written about in newspapers and on TV. And they're seeing this groundswell of gospel movement right in a place where supposedly God is dead. And so sometimes we just have to think about different ways or different people or different ways or different methods to present the gospel to different people. There are a lot of people out there who haven't heard the gospel, read the gospel, experienced the gospel. There's an audience for the gospel Everywhere. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. That's They're just finding their way through the known world and figuring out who is going to hear about Jesus today, right now, around me, in my vicinity, wherever it may be. Romans 10, 14, 15 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Turn to the person on your table and say, You have beautiful feet. (laughs) That is disgusting. Pastor Brom might have uh, saw that this morning before, kicking off the Birkenstocks and getting up here and preaching in barefoot. But anyway, the gospel doesn't spread unless we engage with the hearts and the heads of people. And until we engage our hearts and our head with God, we can't spread the gospel. We need to have our hearts and our head rooted and established in relationship with God. So as we get into this season of prayer and fasting, as we start 21 days of prayer and Fasting tomorrow, in whatever way, shape, or form that may be, may it be your prayer as you go about seeking God and going deeper with God to have a heart filled with His love and a head filled with knowledge and with methods of speaking to other people and inviting them into gospel living. Now, in we're going to go back into Acts 17. Uh, And go to 24 through to 28 now. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. This is Paul talking to the Stoics and Epicureans at the Areopagus in Athens, the smart dudes that you wouldn't invite to parties. Here's what I love, God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us, for in Him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are His offspring. And so what if... When we're pushing the gospel out to people who uh, need to experience it, when we're talking to people, when we're showing an example of love, of Jesus, of salvation, of eternal life, what if we changed our thinking to tell people that God is actually right there? as it says in verse 27 here, that you could touch Him, that He's here around you. And we talk about that, but do we actually feel that? Do we actually present that? Do we actually know that? Do we actually live that? No, we don't always do that. And I'll confess to that. I don't always think that God is actually right here in front of me, beside me, behind me, going before me. I don't always think that way. But that's the God that we serve. He is everywhere. And before Paul got to Berea and Athens and Rome, God was already there. God was already moving. And before you talk to that person about Jesus, God's already working on them. And are you praying that God will work on them and plant that seed and allow for space in conversation and space in time so that you can actually plant that seed and then extend the gospel and and add to that mathematics, that scoreboard of Christianity just absolutely exploding across the world? Do you want to go on that journey? I do. I think that's exciting. I want to be part of the global, um, con- the, the, the global push of the gospel. I want to see it go to the ends of the earth. I want to fulfil acts. That, that the gospel will go to every corner of the earth. And so I want to be a part of that. I want to hear about stories of the gospel being spread through Tamworth and Gyra and Gunadar and Bendemeer and Port Macquarie and Armidale and anywhere else at the chapel will have a footprint in years to come because I want to be a part of something special, something good, something winning. I want to be part of the winning team. Do you guys? Or am I just getting excited by myself? Yeah. Can I pray over this as we, as we get into Vision Sunday and 21 days of prayer and fasting that the chapel would just explode and the church of God would just explode because of faithful people like us, like you, wanting to see the gospel spread. Father God, thank you so much that you still work through your people today. We've heard a lot about that this morning. We prayed for you to work through our tiny kids and our teenagers and our teachers. And Lord, we just read an Acts and we just we get excited about people spreading the gospel because of their faithful service to the calling that you put on their life. And so, Father, as we spend more time with you, intentional, intentionally more time with you throughout these next 20 21 days of prayer and fasting, we ask that calling will be clear. We ask that conviction will be strong. We ask that um, that your love will be so radiant through us that people will want to start conversations as much as we want to start conversations with them about you. And so, Father, would you spread your love through people like us, broken people like us, so that we can celebrate and, and see the kingdom of heaven explode. We ask this only for your glory, and we ask this in your mighty name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au